This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. This podcast is Shareable. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard, commonly known as the world's most handsome strategist and professional speaker. I'm also a superhero. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single Shareable episode. And that's it. That's the intro. Short and sweet. Let's get to the show. Today on Shareable, Jonathan Grzybowski is the co-founder of Penji, a service that simplifies the creative process by offering unlimited and on-demand access to dependable and vetted designers that will deliver a project in under 48 hours. Jonathan, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on my show uh, after having been on your show, I don't know, six, eight months ago, a year ago, something like that. Yeah, it's a long time coming. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So we're going to talk about a bunch of different stuff today. I figured, um, you know, I don't have any real planned agenda. There's just a couple things that uh, I figured it'd be fun to talk to you about, things that I think people will be able to relate to, they'll get something out of. So um, let's start with the entrepreneurial side of things. So, um, you know, you've probably told this story before, but for those who have not heard you on other podcasts or haven't listened to your podcast or read the the plentiful number of articles that you've written and that are out there um, uh, that talk either about your entrepreneurial journey or, or different tips on things, how did it start for you when, you know, did you, did you work a career where you had a bunch of jobs before this, or did you start out just like out of the gate knowing that you were an entrepreneur? Um, because you talk a lot about this stuff out in the world. And I'm, I'm curious for those that don't know your story, where did it begin? What's your origin story? Yeah, I would say for the most part, I've always had the bug of entrepreneurship, but I didn't necessarily know that it was a thing. Um, even to this day, I, I still, I don't love the, the aspect of entrepreneurship or even the word of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so I have always been a problem solver and somebody who's always found a way to do something differently in my egotistical brain, I would probably say better. Um, but for the most part, I say at 15, I started mowing lawns just to kind of say, Hey, this guy's doing it. I could do it too. Um, again, never understanding the word entrepreneurship. Uh, then I started a, a, a social media agency, um, where I did that for about a number of years. Uh, again, not necessarily understanding that I was a business owner, but kind of just saying, hey, I think I could do it better or differently than other people. Um, and then we kind of founded uh, you know, Penji, stumbled across it because uh, we were trying to solve a problem that we were having within the graphic design industry that we were in the marketing industry that we were in. Uh, in between that, I did work in, in establishments. Um, so I'm not necessarily one to shy to wanting to do it by myself, but just more so uh, I, I feel as if that uh, I like structure and I like um, a plan and nothing against the, the world of, of living uh, and working for somebody else. It's not necessarily just how I operate, but I do, I, I am a bit grateful for the time that I had at all the institutions that I worked at, especially Apple, where I feel as if that it kind of just like bring brought a lot of it together, that structure and that hard work and that that created sense of community. Um, but Penji was literally founded by an accident and we didn't even want to do it at the time. We just said, hey, this is a problem that we believe you may be having. We interviewed a, clo- a lot of our closest friends and colleagues and then they ended up answering what inevitably became Penji today. So break it down for us. What is Penji? And yeah, uh, for our listeners real quick, this is not a commercial for Penji. It's to set context for the rest of the discussion. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, 
should I put my commercial voice on? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> at Penji, we yeah, you have a much better voice than I do. Probably people. It's just are. a better mic setup. I'm just in a better studio setup. That's all. I, Fair I enough. think you have that's a fabulous voice. I I appreciate that. I hope I hope people are still listening to my annoying voice, anyways. But anyways, um, Penji is an on-demand graphic design service uh, where you essentially just have vetted designers that are uh, available to you at, at any time. You sign up for the service, you put a request in, you get it back in under 48 hours. So we're trying to challenge the status quo of like a traditional marketplace where you kind of just send in whatever it is that you want. You get uh, 800 things back, you have to choose from it. It's a little bit more refined in that aspect. And it's a little bit different than like a marketing agency where we're not necessarily uh, you know, holding your hand the entire way where you're telling us exactly what you want done based off of feelings and emotions. You can say, hey, I like this uh, and I want it to look like that. And then uh, you send it away and, and a Penji team member is going to get on it immediately. So I can immediately think of like hundreds of applications for this. Um, but let's let's back up before we get too deep into that. And let's let's get back to the start of the whole thing. You said you saw a problem out in the world, which is kind of why you decided to start this. And uh, similar to you, I had a social media agency for a while. And one of the things that came up time and time again was like content for social. And one of the big things there is graphic design. Like even if you're just putting up a quote or you're putting up, you know, um, you know, a status update or something like that, it was evident like pretty early on that those were the sort of pieces of content that were getting more traction, things that were more highly designed, things that just caught your eye in the newsfeed amidst a sea of text. So what was the problem that you were dealing with that caused you to say, oh, this is a thing out in the market. Let me do some research and ask around and maybe start a company. Like walk us through that a little bit if you would. It's a pain in the ass to hire people. So when you try and you find a way to, when you need a graphic designer, right? There's a couple of aspects. So uh, a designer in particular is primarily good at one particular style, um, but they may not necessarily be good at many other things. So for example, they might be really good at web design, but they're terrible at logo design. They might be an illustrator, but they might be really good uh, they might be really good at illustrations, but they can't do traditional pamphlets of like a marketing material. And so we wanted to kind of come up with the idea of like a Swiss army knife for all things graphic design. So you can ask for things like a, a logo, a web design, a social media content and things of that nature and still have it housed in one place. So the problem that we're solving is the Swiss army knife of, of and the, the, the specialized group of people versus that of one. We're solving the problem of the hiring process in addition to also finding, like researching and looking for the, uh, the actual designers. We're solving the cost aspect of it as well because we're only $500 a month. Um, and then the last thing that we're talking, uh, that we're solving is the communication piece. So anytime that you talk to an employee or anytime that you talk to a team member about a particular request, especially from a creative aspect, there's always that lag between oh, well, there's a revision, right? And the revision process usually requires some type of email exchange back and forth where, uh, you know, top left corner needs to be purple, right? Well, that's annoying as hell because maybe the top left corner wasn't actually the top left corner and you made a mistake. Um, maybe it was like an inch below it and that's what was changed to purple. So we have like a technology that we've created where you can just take your mouse and click on it. So speed, delivery, communication, quality, all these things are, are, are time or are, are, are what we're solving. 
Got it. Okay, so now let's walk through some of the situations where that might be useful. Um, and then I want to kind of go down some paths of, of some things that I think might make sense for us to, to continue down. But so who utilizes a service like this? I'd imagine agencies are one of them. I'd imagine this could really spread out to anything like law firms, uh, healthcare entities, like anybody that needs something designed. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Uh, agencies are really big. Uh, businesses, uh, there's a lot of people that are in the real world of marketing, but they don't actually have graphic design help. Uh, excuse me, they don't have a, a skill for graphic design. I am one of those people. I know what looks good. I know what can potentially make customers uh, buy or at least obtain interest, but I, I can't actually do it. So, like, I am the perfect customer of Penji, right? And I'm one of the co-founders. So uh, those are the types of people. Is anybody that's consistently creating content uh, are the best types of customers because there's a, an ongoing demand. How long did it take to get people to, I guess I would say, how long did it take for this to gain any sort of traction? Because one, it's kind of a new model. It's also kind of similar to some other models that are out there in somewhere. And it kind of tangentially touches on like a Fiverr, kind of sure. similar to a design pickle that some people have heard of. Um, but ultimately I, I like the way you described it because it does address some of the issues of working with a single designer, all the single designers that I've ever worked with. I absolutely love them, but what I initially, what I would ultimately run into with any of them was like, oh, I really like your style, but this style is like very corporate. And like, can you, can you go outside of your comfort zone of this style to do very corporate or vice versa? Like you have really great corporate design skills, like very like aesthetically clean, the whole thing that people, but like, this is for something that's like really fun and out of the box. Can you do that? So I like how you solve that problem. The thing is, is that this is as something that's slightly different and a local business. It's something where you have to kind of gain the awareness that this thing even exists and what the value is for it. How long did it take to get Penji to a place where you were, you know, you weren't like fighting to, to keep the, the lights on? Um, I would say realistically speaking about a, a solid year and a half mm -hmm. market validation. Uh, as you mentioned, this, this stuff is relatively new. So it is hard to inevitably, uh, uh, you know, get used to, but I think a couple of things that separated us from the beginning has been the idea of just the, the graphic design of how we portray ourselves versus the competitors. You mentioned one of them. Um, I think overall, we had some really good positive reviews and press that allowed us to obtain really good opportunities from a local level. Um, however, from a business standpoint, we have over 225 designers and employees in our company. Uh, we also are basically in over 40 different countries. And we have designers all throughout pretty much every continent on the world, except for Antarctica. Um, so with that being said, we, it took a decent amount of time, but when the reason, what I want to share with people is that once you're able to obtain some type of market validation, you're able to gain a rhythm. Um, the ability to grow is just going to be in extremely fast. Um, it took us probably about like a year to two years in order to obtain like our first 100 customers. And now we have several thousand customers paying us on a monthly basis. And it took us a fraction of the call, uh, of the time. It took us months and even weeks to obtain that type of growth 
uh, as, as you continue to scale. But I think the main thing that, that separates us from a lot of other businesses in the world is just the ability to be okay with doing the same thing over and over again. We're extremely specialized in the aspect of what each person does in the company and nobody necessarily steps on each other's toes. So it's about the leadership aspect of like, yeah, it takes a while to get used to that market validation, but I wouldn't necessarily let that deter you. Uh, if you're listening to this right now and you're struggling with market uh, adaptation, um, if you continue just doing quality work, if you continue just like talking to your customers, those are the people that really matter. It doesn't really matter about the market validation because our ability to obtain referrals is actually stronger than that of our actual marketing efforts. Um, and that's just because of the good work that we do for our customers. Uh Let's walk through a little bit the process because all I could think of there is like, okay, year and a half, two years, there might be somebody listening right now, think of building a business. And maybe that sounds like you start the business and then you just work and work and work and work and work for a year and a half, two years, whatever. But there's different stages in that growth. There's certain things that you have to kind of think about taking on early on. There's certain yeah. milestones that you might hit. Um, I don't know if you have a way of thinking about it in terms of like phases or stages or any sort of a way of like progressively checking your, your progress on it. But, you know, I remember I I've started a number of businesses, uh, over the years and it gets clearer and clearer to me, sort of like, what are the things that I have to think about at each, at each stage? What are the most important things? What are the things that could wait till much later? If you were going to kind of make the blueprint for someone of like how you would start Penji today. If you were to look at like, what are the steps you would go through? Could you paint that picture for people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also want to say that like, just because the market adaptation took a year, uh, a year to year and a half, that doesn't mean that that's all we've been in business for. Um, Penji has been in business for uh, almost five years. Um, I've been and my co-founders have been in the game of entrepreneurship for almost 10. So there was five, six years I'd even say as far as like seven, eight years of just complete horse crap and failure. Um, and it wasn't up until the past couple of years to a couple of months or so where we really would deem ourselves successful. And we're also extremely hard on ourselves. So yeah, classic you know, entrepreneur stuff. Don't exactly. recognize your accomplishments. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, 200 plus people is, a, uh, is, is an accomplishment that very few people are able to obtain. And we understand that, but we also know that this was never the goal. The, the goal is so much more than just what we experience now. Um, but I, I think the steps um, I, uh, that you should take is number one, I think you should pave your own highway. And I'll try and be as brief as this is possible so people can take away uh, some bullet points here. But number one is pave your own highway where um, it sounds cliche, but I think from the beginning, we wanted to be, we in particular wanted to be a good company and a company that goes, does good for our community. So, in addition to that, we're also what we believe is good people. So we wanted ourselves to be proud of our future selves. And we built a company in an establishment that was kind of community first. We obtained our first about 25 customers from nonprofits because we offered our services to them at a discounted rate. And it's something that has forever gone through uh, throughout the course of every single year. We, we bring about anywhere from 10 to 25 uh nonprofits into the business where we offer our services to them for $1 a month. Um, and that's just been, a, that's just been the DNA of our company from the very beginning. And so we established that highway as in, we want to be a good company. We're doing good things and nobody can take that DNA from us. Right. 
So that's from the get-go, you want to do that. And you want it to be real, right? Because if you want to just donate to the homeless or something like that, people can smell that crap from a mile away if you don't give a crap to the homeless. We, we uh, eat, breathe, and sleep the, the world of giving back to our community. And we've even created new things from it, especially with all the hate in the world, um, with uh, you know, uh, Asians, uh, uh, Penji against hate, with the Asian hate, uh, going going on in, in the world, the hate against the Asian community. Um, uh, we we have a, a campaign called Penji for Good, um, specifically surrounding around that. If it's against, and uh, if your organization is against, uh, is helping and fighting the world of hate, then we want to be a part of that, and we'll offer you a discount because of that. So that's number one: pave your own highway. Pave, uh, number two is going to be survive. Um, you got to do whatever the hell it takes in order to generate profit. Like simple as that. And from us from the beginning, we wanted to kind of start micro because I know you locally, but a lot of people may not. But we started in Philadelphia. We literally cast a net of about 50 miles. And we said we want to be the most popular company in that 50 mile radius. It took a little bit of time, but I think we got it. Number three would be just make smart business decisions backed off of data, right? Like you want to make sure that data is the most important thing to this day. It is the only reason that got us here is that we can say, okay, this customer canceled because of X. This person became a customer because of Y. Features have been, been created, not based off of one person stating that they wanted something, but a group of people stating that they wanted it. So literally every aspect of our business is data-driven and we're not making a single decision in our company based off of emotions and as an entrepreneur, uh, all entrepreneurs can, can be very emotional individuals. And we wanted to remove that entirely and say, listen, we need to think about this business, not as a human being, but as just like a, a data, uh, as, a, as a robot. You know, if you input a calculation, what spits back out? And for the most part, that led us to making smart and quick decisions, um, might I add. And then the last thing I would say is just step, the step forward would probably be uh, stay focused, right? And I think I said it a little bit earlier, but my job is to kind of be on podcasts and promote Penji, um, but also the focus on the customer experience. Then we have other people that are specifically doing um, uh, marketing related tasks and then design related tasks and development related tasks. So everybody has their own job. And we in particular as a business do one thing and we do one thing really well. We don't stray outside of that little uh, pattern. We do graphic design. Like, that's it. If you were to say, what is Penji in, in, in two words, graphic design, that's it. We don't do anything else outside of graphic design. So those are, I would say, that, that is like a very quick blueprint to how I would start Penji if I were to do it all over again. And then on top of the, you know, one of the things you kind of mentioned in that or, or and or before it was about your people and how important it is to have great people and to... Um, I, I'd imagine you're kind of alluding to having a great culture. Can you talk a little bit about um, how culture is designed at Penji or does it come about kind of by chance? Is there like a gut feeling to it? Do you have your values hung on the wall? Is it something that's very documented out or is it something that's more collaboratively created day to day? I mean, I imagine it's a blend of all of those, but you know, you talk about being a person that in the future you yourselves would be proud of, right? And you talk about bringing on great people. And from everything I know about leadership and culture, none of that happens by accident. So I'm curious what that looks like at Penji for you. 
the first thing that we ask uh, a new employee when they come into Penji is what is your dream? And it allows us to get a basis of what this person's morals and, 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 uh, and importance is uh, into their lives. So some people might say, I want to make $100,000 a year, excuse me. And then we'll say, okay, awesome. Well, here's a roadmap in order for you to get $100,000 a year. Um, some other people might say, I, I just want to take care of my family. And so we are doing a lot of really, uh, we're, we're talking to each person to make sure that they matter. For the most part, 99% of our team members are remote. So they come from a background that kind of unfavors the relationship of like a freelance. And we're not, we don't have freelancers. We have uh, team members or employees. So these people aren't necessarily, um, they're coming from like a, a background where they were mistreated because of the way that they looked or because of the country that they were from. And from the get-go, in addition to just, um, you know, asking them what their dream is, the, the, the next thing that we do when they become a full-time employee is that we make a video for them specifically share, telling them how much that they matter to us. And then from that get-go, so like we, you want to start off on the right foot immediately, right? And then the other aspect is going to be, well, now you have to live it every single day. And, and I can competently stay, sit here before you and say that of all the, uh, the, the people that we have, I, I know not only by facial recognition and first name basis, I can tell you at least three to five things specifically about that individual um, from a personal and business uh, side. So we, as the co-founders, have invested our time to, to learn about our team members. Um, and so we don't actually hire off of skill. We hire off of personality. And we believe fundamentally that skill can be trained. So even if the designer necessarily is like, quote unquote, bad, uh, we still give them the benefit of the doubt. And we understand that they're a good person. So I, I think those are like the things that not like a... It's, it's, it's kind of like our own unique culture, so to speak, but that's just kind of worked really well for us. It's just kind of breaking the barriers down and being more human uh, and then allowing the personality of us and, and the, the relationship and the communication piece to really shine. So you've asked a lot of different people then, apparently, what their dream is. So let me ask yeah. you, what's your dream? My dream is to create something. I've, I would say it's like I have a personal one. I have like a business one. Um, the, the, the business one I would say is to create something incredibly revolutionary that a lot of businesses are able to not only afford, uh, but to be able to receive a benefit from, um, I think graphic design is uh, the start, uh, to the way that we're able to, um, allow businesses, this type of access to the service. Um, and I think, so as mentioned, this is just the beginning of it on a personal level. My goal would be to one day own a winery. Uh, I'm very much so into wine, uh, and not in the aspect of like the stupid social media influencer that people keep thinking about, but like, I legitimately love wine. Um, I, I love what it does to people. I love the aspects. I love the social aspects of alcohol. Because anytime that you have a beer or a wine, you're usually, for the most part, sharing it with either a loved one, a friend, 
and you're having a really good conversation. And so bringing in the aspect of like my love for wine and the social aspects, I'd love to have a winery where, you know, it kind of merges all that together where people can just come in and have a good glass, have hopefully have an amazing view uh, and be able to have like really kick-ass bottle of wine. That is uh, that is fascinating. Uh, next time uh, when when you come over the bridge, we'll have to go grab a glass of wine. Yeah, um, sure, absolutely, man. I, listen, I have about. I just came back from the Finger Lakes the, mm, Sunday, which is a really uh, good region of in the United States for wine. Really? Uh, I, yeah, dude. I did I, not know that. I have literally never heard that before. Yeah, I mean, I would say it rivals. I think it's better than Napa Valley. Everybody in America, they're always like you know, California reds and all that stuff. Like, no, I actually think, I personally believe that even better wine comes from the Finger Lakes and the more expensive wine comes from like the Napa Valley area. Um, that's just my palate. Uh, I like natural wine. So a lot of like um, off the beaten path, like organic ways of, of producing um, sustainable sustainability uh, uh, actions that are taken. And there's some incredibly amazing wineries here on the on the east coast that again it gets overlooked because of the east coast but the finger lakes about two three hours of, uh, north of, of of new york city um is amazing but my point in saying that is uh, i'd love to share a glass but i i have close to about 60 to 70 bottles of wine that are currently inside uh, in my basement just waiting for any particular moment um that i feel like really moody about a particular bottle um and, and it's kind of weird because like, I don't drink any of them and I kind of just collect them at this point. That's funny. I, uh, I have a buddy that collects whiskey and, um, a lot of times he has bottles that like he hasn't opened for like years. Right. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Just like drink them. Like and when right. I, I'll buy like a nice bottle of whiskey and I'm like, all right, let's crack it open. Yeah. Um, so what, what I wanted to ask you about is, so asking about your dream, it's interesting. Cause you know, you, you mentioned the winery as, uh, you know, owning a vineyard and doing all of that as a personal goal. You talked about, you know, uh, being able to create something of immense value that's affordable for businesses. You talked about your entrepreneurial journey. When I was a kid, I had all sorts of different dreams about what I wanted to do. And then even throughout my teens, up through even like my, my early 30s, I had all these different dreams of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be, what I was going to do. And, and none of them have exactly come true. Maybe some of them have been like, influential in the path I took, but I am actually really curious about where, where your original, like if I were to ask you that question about what your dream is back in the day, like uh, back when you were like a little Grizz, uh, not a full Grizzbowski yet, but just like a little Grizz, mm -hmm. what, what would you have said early on? And do you think that any of those um, sorts of influences helped shape the direction that you went? So in, it's a good question. So in, in grade school, I wanted to be a video game designer Word. um yeah so i don't know why i was just probably obsessed with video games video games are awesome they are i agree um uh, big apex apex legends fan if uh if you ever played um i'm on destiny so fair enough i mean it's still a good game but um to say i don't know if you want this answer but i will I can confidently say to you that this is the truth, that the goal that we've had from the beginning of the entrepreneurship career has never really changed from what it is today. We always wanted to create something where a lot of people receive benefit from. We just thought that 
what we originally thought it was isn't what it became. Um, but that was probably the best thing that has ever happened to us. So like the uh, goal was the same, but like the, the uh, delivery of whatever to, to get to correct. that goal has changed. So the path exactly. to get the destination is the same, the path you took to get there was different. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, it works well for us. Uh, I, I think my co-founder and I are very uh, goal oriented individuals and partial sociopaths where we're just fixated on this one particular, like, you know, these milestones that we keep accruing. Um, we, we know what the overall like end goal can be. Um, but we just don't know how to get there. And I can say that like where we are romantically inside the business is that we're just like so close. We just have a little bit more. And then once we hit that, then it's just a new set of challenges. Like every time that you have a milestone in your business career, new issues happen and you need to be able to have the structure in place first where you'll be able, you'll, the business will still be able be okay, even as you obtain those milestones. Got it. All right. I'm going to ask you a a kind of a question to sort of wrap up on um, about the application of design in people's businesses. And I was hoping that maybe you could give a handful of ideas about how people could think about using a service like yours, or even just, even if they don't use a service like yours, let's, let's just make it valuable about thinking about design. What are some ways people should be thinking about they're running their company in 2021. They're thinking about ways to grow. They're thinking about ways to get their name out there, thinking about ways to sell more stuff, thinking about all those different challenges that we have in business. What are just a handful, three to five different things that you might encourage people to think about, Hey, if you haven't done this yet, here's an opportunity to work with a designer in a way that may be able to help your business grow and help you get the things that you're looking for. The most, I will do anything. And I legitimately mean anything to obtain one additional hour in my day. I will spend as much money as I can to do it. Uh, I will make as much time investment and money investment for myself personally to be able to think better in one more hour, whether that's like, for me, it's like going to the gym. For me, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it might be like meditating or like reading a book or something like that. Like I will do whatever it takes, maybe take a day, a, a one day off in order to have like more clarity, uh, or an afternoon off. Like time to me is the most important thing in my life. And so you can have a marketing tip, right? And you can have, um, you know, yeah, you you can learn how to sell, right? But But you being the driver of the business, like you're the one that is making the sound decisions. So if you can find a way to remove that, those barriers, whether it's you designing something for yourself on like Canva, or even if you're knowledgeable enough on Photoshop, then you should outsource it. If, if you have a bottleneck when it comes to your email, because you're literally in your inbox 24 hours a goddamn day, then you need to be able to hire a VA in order to get your inbox done. So like, I would look at yourself first in the mirror and say to yourself, okay, here are the things that are taking the most amount of time. Um, and this is what I'm going to do in order to get that time back. For me, it, it was graphic design, hence why Penji was created. Now being a part of Penji, 
I'd say the biggest thing of my day is just the minutia of the running the business. Um, but I find myself even then having at least X number of hours a day just to focus on just like solving problems because my success and our success as a company is dependent on me being able to solve the hard problems. And so if I'm constantly in the minutia, then I'm not solving those problems. So that's the thing that I would recommend to people is, you know, for, for you, it might be different, right? So for a retail person or like a pizza shop owner, it's going to be a completely different problem. But if you're making pizzas all day and you're not necessarily being able to delegate, you're not able to make sound decisions, then you're, you're no good for the business. So um, that's, that's what I would, I would say is that there's no one silver bullet. It's just time because if you're able to work on something often enough where you can start to see patterns and issues and problems, you'll be able to solve them a lot quicker. And hopefully you'll be able to make more money because of it. Yeah, man. I, and that totally resonates with me. I just recently, um, I had put together a number of pieces of um, content that I wanted to turn into eBooks. And I sat down and I started looking at all of the content. I was like, okay, well, how long is it going to take me in like Keynote or Illustrator to design this, like to put this content, just to move it over and to make it look good. Like what's that going to take? And then also what it, at the out, at the end of it, is the output going to be something I'm going to be really thrilled about? And I started to try and think about what's the dollar value on that time. Like if I could get that off my plate, would I? And I actually wound up getting it off of my plate and having somebody do the design for me. And it was totally worth it. And it looks great. Um, so I, I am 100% in, in line with the idea of like, if you can get something off of your plate, especially something that's not in your core competency, like get it off your plate. Let me ask you this. And this is the, I, this is the final question I'll ask you. And this is like totally, this has this is for me only. So audience, this is, this is a Jeff asking question because I'm just genuinely curious for myself. Um, I, do, um, I do a lot of work with agencies. I work part-time in an agency. I do stuff with clients that need design, things like that. Let me ask you this just from just purely about Penji. Um, do you find that it's, is it better to work with a company like yours on sort of like a, um, on a batch processing sort of way? Like, Hey, here's like 10 projects I need done. Or is it the better thing where like you do, you have 10 projects, but you're like, Hey, I need this. And then like a day later, you're like, I need this one. So like, is, is it better for the workflow of working with a company like yours to give you all of the stuff at once? Or is it better to just like have it come up as needed? Or does it not matter to you? Because I think that's one of the first considerations I have when I think about working with an internal designer is like, you may have one designer in the company, maybe two. And you say, you're like, here's 10 projects. Now all of a sudden it's like, well, you got to stack that up along with all the other projects this person's going to have, et cetera. Whereas if you have a, maybe an outsourced team, maybe batching works better. At the same time, if you step it out day after day after day, that may work better from a workflow standpoint. So I guess I'm just trying to wrap my head personally around like, okay, I'm getting the value of Penji. I get the idea of like what you're trying to do there. Um, what is the smart way of working with a designer like yours? Do you just have like one designer that you're working with or is it like you spread it out across the team to like turn it around faster? Like, how's it work? Yeah, so I would say it depends on the business, right? So if the business doesn't have a graphic designer, then we become their full-time team. If it's an agency where their bottleneck is like the, the best designer in the company and they have one designer based off of that example that you gave, then we would do the, uh, the, the grunt work that that core designer doesn't want to do. Like maybe like a banner ad or something like that, or even just social media content where the main designer is actually creating like brand strategy. So like those are two applications that would inevitably use. Our technology allows the, the customer to inevitably submit as many projects as they can. 
and then we basically cater to the request on a, in a queue. So if it's like 10 social media posts for quote content, then that's one post or that's one project. The next one could be uh, an ebook because you mentioned an ebook. The third one could be something like the, the email sales funnel for the ebook. The fourth one could be something like the social media graphics for the ebook. So uh, as long as it's its own category of things, it becomes a project inside of Penji. And the designers are essentially assigned based off of what plan you have, and we get to them as quickly as possible. So if I were a person, and this is me talking as like an, a customer, right, of Penji, because I use it myself, it, it just depends on, on how busy you are. So you can come in and be like, oh, crap, I didn't know that I even had Penji. Let me send it to them. That's great. Or you can just put us to work and grind us as much as you possibly can. It ultimately just depends on the overall needs of the business. But we have people who do both. We have people who submit one project every three months because they want to have the, the confidence that their team is there for them. And then we have the people that, that grind us to the bone and, and literally just like submit 100 projects a day. We won't get to them, but they're still submitting those projects because they have the backlog. And then we have the conversation of scale, right? So we have designers uh, and we have a membership. And if you have need more designers, then you just keep going up and up and up and it unlocks more projects. So there's so much flexibility here. You don't need to have a $60,000 employee in order to do just like work on a handful of clients. You have, if you have 20, 30, 50 customers and you're, you're, you have a lot of requests, you can scale Penji up and still pay less than $60,000 a year. So again, that's like an additional flexibility of, of, of what Penji brings to the table. And it's all based off of our technology specifically. Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, thank you for coming on and talking to me about your entrepreneurial journey, talking to me about design and just all the different things that you do over at Penji. Um, I want to give you a chance to talk. Uh, I know we talked a lot about Penji here, but I want to give you a chance to tell people where they can connect with you specifically, where they can learn more. And I and an, another thing I'd really like you to, to point out in this period of the show that I want to give you for shameless self-promotion is where they can go to read some more of your articles, because um, I've, I've read a number of the things that you've written online. And I think you do a really, really great job of putting together super valuable content, a lot of like really tangible takeaways, a lot of really interesting ways to think about things. So if, if you wouldn't mind, as you're telling people where they can connect with you, also where they could read some of your work. Yeah. So I would say Penji.co is going to be the, the main one, P-E-N-J-I.co. Um, I used to have a podcast uh, that you were on. I've actually stopped it because creatively, I just didn't feel like my heart was in it. Although I absolutely adore it. It was like my first, one of my first loves is, is podcasting. Um, but uh, it's yourmindgrapes.com, I believe. Um, yourmindgrapes, let me just double check that. Um, yeah, yourmindgrapes.com because everything in, in my world is CO. Uh, but your mindgrapes.com, it, it's, it's something a little bit different that I'm trying to do, um, which is just to create a general resource for entrepreneurs and, and, and business owners. Um, and, I, and I hope to be able to grow that into something really special where with an email newsletter of some kind. Uh, but your mindgrapes.com and penji.co. I love that you use mindgrapes. The 30 Rock reference is strong. Yes. Yeah. And honestly, I wasn't even a big 30 Rock person. It was always a phrase that like I would say, day and I was just like oh what's on your what, like what's on your mind grapes and then I, I just like started researching it more and then I keep seeing the 30 rock reference I end up knowing what the reference is now but it was never even it didn't even come from that to be honest with you that's funny yeah 
Right on, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Set aside the time. Uh, sorry, your heart wasn't in the podcasting thing uh, towards the end of it. I, I mean, when we had an interview, it was clear that uh, that you were you were feeling it at the time. But this does take a toll on you. It can take a toll on you. It's uh, it to keep it going, to keep a podcast going is tough. It's why most podcasts only last up to ten episodes, uh, yeah, like something like that. Because it's just you know, there's a lot that goes into producing one. I find this to be one of my favorite things that I get to do is like, honestly, you. like if nobody, li- I love you audience. I really do. I love every single one of you that listens to shareable, but like if, if I had zero listeners and I could just get on and talk with smart people and pick their brains 100%. and ask them about their experiences and everything, like I would do that. I'm just like lucky that people do listen to shareable because then it's like, it's not a conversation, not gone to waste, but like the, all of the additional value from those conversations gets to be shared with other people, which exactly. I just absolutely love about it. I guess that's why I would name this show shareable. Yeah. And that's a great name for it. And I'm, it's an absolute honor to, to be on it. And, and it's been a long time coming. So thank you so much for the opportunity. I would, I would just end in saying that it's all about displacement, right? You know, what, what are you losing at the cost of X and Y? Yeah. And, and for me, I think what I, although the love is still there and I'm going to do it again, I just need to figure out a way to do it in more time in a little bit of better creative direction um the, the next go around but i was able to this do this like 300... my fourth podcast i or fourth really? or fifth so i'm like yeah I, I went through a bunch of them and yeah. uh, each time you learn a little bit more but exactly um, uh i think the other like so i've also taken four or five hiatuses on shareable where i've just taken like time off because like one i just was like burnt out i had too many other things 100%. going on um you know there was just a number of things that would happen and and i keep coming back to it because it's just um it's just so much fun i just really yeah. enjoy doing it it's a lot of it's a good time man. every time i talk to on a podcast it it reignites the fire a little bit but right on man one right day on. soon yeah TBD. well thanks for joining and um i guess if i had to sum up the show in one word i guess i would call it shareable wait don't leave if you've never listened to my fancy outro do it just once for me please okay if you enjoy shareable and you find it valuable there's a few ways that you can support the show one you can share it on social media which i strongly encourage i mean it's literally the name of the show shareable two you can review it on itunes stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and if you're an overcast user as many of my listeners are make sure to click that star button on the episodes that you like The third way that you can support the show is by blogging about it or discussing it on your own podcast or even by making a YouTube video where you talk about one of the episodes. And then the final way that you can support the show is by supporting it directly on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Now, before I let you go, I want to tell you about one other thing. You see, Shareable is just one of many projects that I'm working on at any given time. I've got another podcast called Rogue. I do a live streaming show every week called The Heroic Council. I've got a blog where I release a blog post twice a week. And if you're looking to keep up with all sorts of different content that can help you grow and become a superhero in life, I want you to check out jeffgibber.me. That's where I list all of my current projects and projects that are coming up in the future, including my forthcoming book, The Lovable Leader. It would mean a lot to me if you could go and check out some of the other things I've worked on because I put just as much of my heart into those projects as I do into Shareable. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for being a supporter. And I hope to see you here on the next episode of Shareable.